from KQED. Hey everyone, I'm Emmanuel. I'm Kali. And I'm Jamidra. And we're the hosts of The, the Cooler. Cooler, your weekly dose of pop culture commentary. Today we have been blessed from on high by Ruses herself and are joined by the newly crowned RuPaul's Drag Race champion, first name Bob, last name The Drag Queen. Welcome to The Cooler, Bob. Woo! <laughs> Hello. That's how we're I feeling as well. I really wanted to interrupt your um, your intro just to be ridiculous. <laughs> you should have. It would be the least boring intro we've ever done. I was going to say, the intro itself is really rather ridiculous anyway, right. so perhaps yeah. it could have used it. Uh, I was going to be like, enough of this mess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sweet, though. I'm really sweet. <laughs> so, Bob, the drag queen, we have to ask, what has it been like being the reigning America's next drag superstar for the past few days. How much sleep have you gotten? <laughs> well, you know, this is actually the most sleep I've gotten since for a while. You know, I was in LA and that was a my schedule was bananas, like the craziest it's ever been. I feel oddly rested now, <laughs> but just because I'm back home, I'm, I'm in New York City and I'm not flying yet. I'm gonna get on, I'm gonna get back on a plane in like a few moments, really. Oh wow, we grabbed you at the right time then. Right. Perfect. Your timing is literally perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Good job, guys. So every year, my friends are pretty divided over who should win, and there's, like, little gay fights that break out. Um, But this year, pretty much from the get, everyone was on your team, on the right side of history, if you will. Um, (laughs) Even with all of these people, like, sending you all this love, I saw today on the internet, there's some grumpy haters out there. Raven. Sorry, something in my throat. (laughs) Do you have anything to say to these people who are hating? Well, you know, I learned something in life is that haters going to hate. They can't help it. They're predisposed to hate. They don't know any better. And they really seem to enjoy hating. And I don't want to take away the, that joy. I don't want to take away the only thing making them happy. So, <laughs> if you want to hate, girl, who am I to stop you from hating? And I'm like, well, sorry, girl, I won. I don't know what else to tell you. And there, I know a, t- a tall, uh, six foot four, skinny black man named RuPaul. If you really want to fight him about it, uh, his Twitter's pretty open. You're no. such a humanitarian. He will don't rob them of the joy of hating. Yeah. Huh? It's a public service <laughs> you're providing them. They, just, they, they really seem to love it. They spend a lot of time doing it. They really seem to love it. Well, I have to ask because I watched the show and it seems like you guys had such a deep camaraderie. You guys were seemed like genuine friends. So what is it like to compete against someone that you have like genuine affection for? You know, I mean, drag queens are used to competing against friends because we all run in the same circles. And if you do a pageant or a competition, you're, you're usually there with your friends. So it didn't seem really weird to me, except for the fact that this is a much larger competition than, than I've done in the past. But um, I was honored to be with Kimchi and Naomi. They are very good friends of mine, and I just, I just love them dearly. And Bob, I have to ask, with the success of Drag Race, you could kind of say that drag has gone mainstream, which is not obviously to say that it never existed before it was like discovered by the mainstream. But, you know, in this world where we live in now, where you've got like 12 year old girls in the Midwest who are saying slay to each other. Do you think there are any negatives to mainstream success? Yeah, I'm sure things can get watered down um, and you don't get the pure essence of what it is anymore. 
But, I mean, if you're a real fan of something, then you'll find the purest form of it. You know what I mean? It's on people to, to do their do their research and educate themselves yeah, about this stuff. exactly. Well, to that point, while you were on the show, you educated viewers and some younger queens on the show about the struggle that drag queens, trans, and queer people have experienced throughout history, such as with the three-piece rule that required people in 50s and 60s New York to always be wearing at least three pieces of clothing that match their assigned gender or risk arrest. And you've said that you yourself have been arrested for political action and protesting in New York. So can you talk a little bit about what political activism means to you and how it overlaps with your drag? Well, you know, political activism is probably one of the uh, strongest um, policy changers in the world. And, of course, people say the policy change happens in Washington, but that does not happen until the pressure is put on them. Everyone from Gandhi to Martin Luther King to Marsha P. Johnson have all, they've all uh, used strong social unrest or civil disobedience to go about creating social change and actual real policy changes, too. I love that through that education, you have shown that drag is not just lip syncing and serving drinks and entertaining while you're at the club. It has a long history, and it's awesome that through Drag Race over the past eight seasons, people are getting that message and realizing that drag is so much more than just makeup and yeah, dresses. Drag is power is what yeah. drag is. Mm. That's really what drag is. Drag is pure power. You know, I, I, I take the train to the club all the time, and when I get on that train in full drag, everyone on the train stops what they're doing, and they look directly at me. Now the question becomes, what are you going to do now that everyone is looking at you? What are you going to do with that attention? What are you going to do with that power? You now have a voice that's louder than everyone else's. How are you going to use that power? With great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> that's what I, say. I, always, I always say with great drag comes great responsibility. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, I do some great fucking drag. <laughs> you sure do. <laughs> Obviously. Um, so when I was researching for this show and for this interview, one thing that I discovered was that there are some criticisms about drag that I wasn't aware of. Like some people believe that it perpetuates negative stereotypes about women and an LGBT community. And I know that you're an activist. So can you talk a little bit about how people view drag in the LGBT community, even in the in as women, how women view it? Because I didn't know that there was a negative connotation. You know, I mean, as a general rule, what I, from what I've noticed, women love drag just as much as homosexual men. But there are some people there who think that, uh, who uh, liken drag to blackface, which I think is hilarious that anyone would actually liken drag to blackface mm. because drag is a celebration of femininity and blackface is a mockery of black culture right. and drag queens revere women and respect women and, and femininity and the power that they possess yeah that right there i don't get that comparison either <laughs> well well and also there's there's, there's also um a sexist connotation to that too by saying that there's by insinuating that there's something negative about the things that drag queens do, for example, high heels, big hair, lots of makeup. I, I find it uh, sexist when people tell women they look better without makeup. Um, does, if, if a woman feels powerful when she puts on her makeup, who are you to say you look better without makeup on? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, just let her be. Let her put on her makeup and leave the house. So what do you think is the most misunderstood thing about drag queens and about drag culture? Oof, I don't know. I mean, I, the thing is, I, I get it. I understand drag culture. So I'm confused when someone doesn't get it. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> you're like, I'm, I'm deep For, in it, honey. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm like, what do you not get? I mean, a drag queen is, is almost like 
um, it's, it's really funny. Like if, if if I dress up like a spider on Halloween, no one goes. Do you, so so you want to be a spider? <laughs> <laughs> like you want to live your life as a spider, or you know if um if um uh, someone dressed up as, as a dragon on Game of Thrones? I've clearly never seen Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> someone is, someone go, oh, so you you you're a dragon for your for work, so you want to be a dragon, right? That's not how. It works, and there. And by the way, there are people who, um, there are some people who do drag who are women, um, and there are people who do drag who are men, and there are people who do drag who don't identify. Mm. So deal with that, people. Hello. Yep. I always say what drag is when you is when you blur the gender line and create art with it. So drag isn't just lipstick, it isn't just cartwheels, it isn't just dancing, it isn't just men dressing as women. It's blurring the gender line and creating art at the same time. Then you're doing drag. Mm. So I was recently going way back in your Twitter because I'm a stalker. Deep. And <laughs> Deep into that timeline. <laughs> and We've all done it. Come on. Yeah. And you recently tweeted, homosexuality is the greatest gift I've ever received. Can you talk a little bit about what you meant? You know, when I tweeted that, I was hanging, I was, I think it was on a set and there was this like straight guys who were trying to convince each other that they weren't gay. And they were just so like convincing someone else that you're not gay is a full-time job when you're a straight man. <laughs> it's like everything you do has to, it, this is like if you're like one of those, you know, simple-minded straight guys who feels the need to let everyone know how straight you are. And, you know, when you're gay, you're, you're free of that. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> oh, you don't have to say uh, no homo after every action you you do in the world. Exactly. Jeez, do people and, still say that? No, my homosexuality that. has made my, my life as magical as, as it is today. If I were straight, I probably wouldn't be America's Next Track Superstar. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Which you are. Okay. <laughs> Which I am. I have a crown right next to me. Yes. I was going to say, wear the crown. <laughs> Keep it away from Violet Chachki. Well, she might snatch it. <laughs> I know, right? She should be fine. I'm actually going to go down to like Michael's and get it put inside of one of those like cases. But right now it's sitting on my shoe rack. <laughs> <laughs> So actually, on that note, before Bob the Drag Queen, there was Kitten with a Whip. What was yeah, your first time in drag like? I just felt the urge to say, well, meow. I refer to this Kitten with a Whip as my slave name. Oh, I don't go that anymore. Um, uh, my first time in drag was uh, Gay Pride 2009, and I went to a lesbian dance party on the pier in New York City, and I was hanging out with some of my lesbian friends, and that was my that was my entire first drag experience was me and my feet were hurting. I was wearing like a wig, a flat wig with bangs. I was wearing these like uh, straight up like street walker thigh high lace up boots. Um, and my feet were hurting so bad that I was literally on my hands and knees crawling home at the end of the night. Oh my God. You've mastered those heels but now. now. My foot is 70, now my foot is 75% calluses and I can, <laughs> I can walk on fire. <laughs> So now you have husks, but you're still the winner. Exactly. So who cares? And the shoes are so fabulous. Now I, I, I literally, I'm like a horse. Like a horse uh, puts on a horseshoe and nails. <laughs> but I don't use Doctor Shows. I just nail in like grade A iron. <laughs> but that first time in drag, like, did it just feel glorious, or like, you know, were there nerves? Was your heart pounding? Because you were a performer for a long time, right? Yeah, I mean, I've been acting professionally since I was 18. And I got in the drag when I was 22, but I had been performing way before I was, you know, a professional actor. 
And when I first got in drag for the first time, it was it was very leaving the house was scary um, because you know even though even if you're brave, you just don't know how people are going to react to you in a dress on the streets. Obviously, being a man, I mean I'm six foot two. I was a little skinnier then than I am now, but I just didn't have a feminine frame, and I was just a big man in a dress trying to have fun, you know. And I was really afraid that someone was going to rain on my parade. I was trying to explain to my brother a while back that, you know, when you're gay, you don't um, have the luxury of not being aware of how gay you are mm. unless you're in a gay bar surrounded by gay people. But mm. otherwise, if you're just out in society, you're always aware of how gay you are. Always. And it's like, like if, you, if you're standing on the street corner with your boyfriend and you kiss him without looking around, you're making a conscious effort to kiss him without looking around because you know that by looking around, you've given in to something else, you know? Mm. To that point, I was recently talking to a friend about going to, like, Morocco. You have friends? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're, they're all here. We're his only yeah, friends. No, I only have, you know, I only have two three of, them. of us, and that's it. So I was talking about, like, going to Morocco or some other country, and anyway, the straight man told me, oh, well, like, just don't, like, seem gay when you're with your boyfriend there. Just, like, don't touch each other and stuff. And... It really hit me that, like, we are on different sides of this thing where he doesn't have to think about that with his wife. But with me, I am expected to pretend, depending on the setting, yeah. I'm not gay, you know, I am, my or whatever. Base, my is from Jamaica, and she um, always tells me, she's like, and she's like, listen, Jamaica is, by the way, she says she hasn't been home in decades, so maybe uh, things have changed. But she just says, you know, Jamaica's not New York City, yeah. and mm-hmm. being gay in Jamaica is just not easy. Yeah. It's just not easy. Even even um, uh, Chichi Devane uh, touched on how hard it is to be gay in Shreveport, Louisiana. That's here in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. You know, she says if you stand up for your rights in Shreveport, they'll blow your head off. It always astounds me that some folks don't understand what privilege is. And it, it, that's it right then. It's the privilege of not having to worry about that stuff. And it never even occurring to you that you'd ever have to worry about that stuff. If it I always... had a dollar every time I had to explain white privilege or male oh. privilege or... Or, or heterosexual privilege. Um, you know, I always say my male privilege is the fact that I can walk to the ATM machine and deposit money at any hour and never worry about being raped. That's just not going to be part That's just barely ever going to be part of my story ever. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but for, uh, you know, a, a five-foot woman, uh, that's scary. The fact that women trust men at all, you know, to go on dates and stuff is crazy. You're on a date with someone who can kill you with their bare hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? As male privilege, that's not something I, I really have to think about unless I'm literally dating a, a, like a monster bear. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so if you had a dollar for every time you had to explain those things, you would have already had $100,000 and not needed Girl, this I wouldn't check. even hey. apply for this show. Yeah, you're like, I don't need this <laughs> <just> opportunity. Sitting <laughs> pretty. Sorry, Ruth. So in a recent episode, you shared that you were bullied for being, quote, chunky, effeminate, and dark-skinned, but that once you embraced what you were good at, people started liking you. I'm wondering, what was that journey like for you to go from being othered to being celebrated? It's, it's all a matter of finding your tribe, because when you're in elementary school, you don't get to find a tribe. Your tribe is, your, is the people in your class, you know? Yeah. And depending on how um, subversive you are, you might your tribe might not be in there. When I was in seventh grade, I moved to Atlanta, and someone told me I was funny. You know, and um, I just really took that and ran with it. <laughs> and I found something about myself that I really loved, the fact that I was funny. Now, by that point, I had really thinned out. I was really thinking in elementary school, but in, in, in elementary school, but in middle school, I was 
I was so skinny. I was like Naomi small skinny. Wow. Um, That's I tiny. Was, I was like six foot two. I was like 125 pounds, which is the same height I am now, but I was 80 pounds lighter. Like I was, I don't know what happened. I just got freakishly skinny. So I was really uncomfortable with my body again. And I just focused on what someone said about me. Someone said I was funny. And I just focused on that. And then I started liking other things about myself and other things about myself until I built confidence enough that I can walk with my head held high and say nice things about myself. You should be able to say nice things about yourself. Yeah. I mean, we got this weird point in the culture where, like, self-deprecating is is fierce and it's cool and it's great to say how lame you are and how weird you are. I don't like that. Like, you should be able to say great things about yourself. You shouldn't have to feel ashamed to say, yes, I am talented and, yes, I do think I deserve to win. What's wrong with that? It's really funny, you know, when RuPaul says, um, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? That's real. If you, mm-hmm. if you don't have love for the person that you have to be with the most, you can't show anyone love. Yeah. You, yeah. You're literally not capable. What you're showing people isn't real love if you don't love yourself. When people are like, I don't know why it doesn't work out with these guys or these girls or whoever you're dating, it's like, just listen to what RuPaul said. That's like yeah. basically yeah. the reason why you're <laughs> failing probably. Yeah. It's like, love yourself a little bit more. And the trouble is that that statement has become such like a truism and like it's being repeated so often that people forget that it's true. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, oh, mm-hmm. it's just a cliche. Yeah. It's like, no, people say it a lot because it's entirely accurate. It's like, what did you, what did you do today to prove to yourself that you love you? If, if your goal was to wake up, work out, and get to work on time, and you didn't do any of those things, then you've let yourself down. You can prove to yourself that you love yourself by taking care of yourself and, and, and treating yourself nicely and saying nice things to yourself and being kind to you and celebrating the things that are great about you and not focusing on what you don't like about yourself. Look at that one tooth. Okay. That's a nice tooth. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, speaking of self-love, just to travel back a little bit, we talked about like what it's like to be a gay man in America or, or just a gay man, period. But also you're a black man. So we know that the, the layers that come along with that. So what do you do on the day to day to take care of yourself and give yourself self-love to make sure that you're taken care of and you uplift yourself? That changes every single day. You know, um, this past week, I just needed to take a moment to like get my brain together to like uh, really... I mean, I got a lot of text messages when I won, mm-hmm. and a lot, and my phone was ringing off the hook. You know what I said? Well, today, to take care of me, I'm just not going to answer my phone. Unless it's my mom or my assistant, I'm not answering the phone. And that's how I take a moment to, you know, to get my mind together. And on, and on, on a more, like, day-to-day basis, you know, I, I look at myself, and I, I, I look at people who, who, who I see myself reflected in, mm-hmm. and I bask in their beauty. And then I can find myself gorgeous. You know, growing up, for some reason, when I was growing up, there was a big, like, black versus, or dark skin versus light skin thing. Ooh, that's, yeah. And, <laughs> Unfortunately, that still happens in some circles. <laughs> yeah, and, and I was obviously team dark skin the whole time because mm-hmm. I am, you know, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm dark skinned. You know, my, my uh, if it was back in the day, I wouldn't be a house slave. Let's just put it that yeah, way. Yeah, me neither. We, no. we both be out there in the field together, baby. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I, um, I, you know, instead of like being like, well, I look on TV and I see all these really pretty light skinned people. Let me look at someone who looks like me and, and find their beauty. Let me look at Lupita and Yango. Let me look at, um, you know, Blair Underwood. Let me look at uh, people that I see who are like me, who I find gorgeous and I admire and, and bask in that and, and relish in their beauty. And then I can find that for myself, too. Hmm. 
I think that's the power of Drag Race. Gay people who are growing up now get to see themselves reflected, and now people of color who maybe look like you can see you winning and being crowned and being affirmed in this way, and it's just so great. And even on top of that, outside of me being affirmed by RuPaul and by others, like, I wanted to show on TV that I am affirming myself. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, I am I am genuinely loving me. It wasn't, it's not about, I, I am so happy that I won, but it's about me loving me. Yeah. You know? And that really comes across in the way you acted throughout the whole season. You were super positive, always seeming to find a way to empower the other queens. But you didn't always get that back. There's one particular thing that left a bad taste in a lot of viewers' mouths. And it's the number of times Derek Barry threw around the word ratchet at you in what came across as seeming very racially coded instead of a good-natured read. How did you take that initially when it was happening in the moment? Well, okay, ratchet's the new ghetto. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that people know nowadays not to call black people ghetto. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. what I love about black folks is black people are so loud that we, that that black people, lesbians, and vegans. You're not like, <laughs> <laughs> you are it's not a holy trinity, like, right? So if you're for, so if you're a black lesbian vegan, you are just loud. Honey. You're invincible. You're the next guy <laughs> of the United States of America. <laughs> Those people are just so loud and be like, if you say something wrong, they're going to call you out on it. Uh, but somehow this ratchet thing has slipped through the cracks because, you know, black people embraced it for a while. And there's a lot of jokes about ratchet. Um, but I think people are saying ratchet not really knowing. What, like, I don't think Derek knew what he was saying. Yeah. I don't think Derek mm. knows where ratchet comes from. I don't think Derek knows that ratchet is, is, is kind of synonymous with ghetto. I think Derek is just saying something he heard. Michelle saying he wanted to sting me at, the, at that point in time. Yeah. But he didn't realize that it sounded racially insensitive. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very generous take there. You know, that, there's that positivity again <laughs> from you, you know, <laughs> choosing to give him the benefit of the doubt. But I also realized, too, that, um, like, if it, by the way, me and Derek are great friends now. Um, but if someone is saying something shady to me, like Thorgy or Derek, it really has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if I'm winning a challenge and and you say, ugh, I, uh, Bob, I'm so sick of Bob winning. Okay, that is you, those are your feelings. That has nothing to do with me. All I did was show up and do a good job. And the fact that that bothers you, that's all on you. That's all you. That's all your feelings. And it's none of my business. You have every right to feel that way. And I'm not going to tell you not to. Yeah, like if if I'm part of your process of beating yourself up for not doing as well as you think you should have, then so be it. I'm here for you. Exactly. Like I said, haters like hating, and who am I to take your joy? <laughs> yes. And just to get on to the kind of the artistry of drag, um, I have a, a close pal who's a, a pro makeup artist, and I was talking to her saying, like, oh, you know, in another life I would love to, to do makeup for a living. And she was saying, well, if you're really serious about that, go and meet my friend who's a, a drag queen, and study him prepping for a show because she, she said you will learn more from this guy than years of makeup school could ever teach you. And I just wonder, like, what are your cardinal rules of, of your makeup routine? Honestly, you can genuinely have a great face with just really nice eyebrows and big lashes, although that's never been my take on makeup. Um, but if you get your eyebrows together, your makeup will look good. It's all about eyebrows. If you look at every queen who's, who you thought makeup was bad, it's usually because of their eyebrows. <laughs> so that's the key. <laughs> Keep the eyebrows looking good. Well, it's funny you say that because okay. it, it kind of came up a few times in the show, the idea of how a, a drag queen ought to look. I mean, I think Derek Berry once made a crack about how you hadn't worn a wig or I know there were like 
you know, controversial eyebrow takes in the show. And, and do you feel like the kind of the outward emphasis on individual expression in drag sometimes hides some quite constrictive beauty standards? Well, I mean, I got criticized on the show for not being very pretty a lot. And I just find it interesting because, you know, what, what I love about New York City is New York City will love you in the drag scene anyway for being good at what you're good at. Like, for example, we love Miss Fame. Miss Fame is a New York City queen. She was very celebrated when she went on the show. I mean, she's not, a, she's not a, an amazing performer. She's not a performer. She's a makeup artist. And we love Miss Fame because she's a good makeup artist. We're not going to yell at her and be like, but you, can't, but you can't dance. Like, I never said I could dance. You know what I mean? <laughs> and if, if, if Kim Chi were a New York City queen, we would love her because she's good at what she's good at. Um, and we celebrate what people are good at, not tear them down for what they're not good at. You're asking someone to literally be good at everything. Like, who do you think you are? That's, that's not a thing. Who do you think I am, Beyonce? <laughs> we can't no all be Beyonce. No one's ever going to make fun of Beyonce because she doesn't make her clothes. No one's going to make fun of Whitney Houston because she didn't write her songs. No one's going to make fun of Adele because she can't do a death drop. It's like only in drag culture. Only in drag culture do you have to be good at everything. And if you're not, then you're a piece of crap and you don't deserve your crown and you shouldn't be here. And you don't even deserve to be on the show. And you should have gone home first episode. Well, you know what? Derek's there because she's good at Brady. Kim's there because she's good at makeup, and I'm there because I'm a good entertainer. This I know is why we're here. Right. Let us do our thing. <laughs> I just I can't get Adele doing a death drop out of my head. <laughs> oh, I'll fall asleep tonight to that image. <laughs> but if, if there was any song, it'd be "Set Fire to the Rain." That's kind of got a dance vibe. <laughs> right? like, I set fire, wow! <laughs> cat, cat, cat. <laughs> so we know that you're super busy being a superstar. So. We're going to end with a lightning round. Insert threatening oh, sound effect here. <laughs> threatening sound effect could just be my single purse first available on iTunes, Amazon, and anywhere. Music Hell yeah. Oh, yes. Purse first. Purse first. Yeah, we're going to get to we're that, actually. That <laughs> okay, so some people play F*** Kill Mary. I've changed mm-hmm. it to be Slay Kai Kai and Kiki because this is RuPaul's Drag Race. I'm into it. I'm into it. <laughs> For those who don't know... Kai Kai is when two drag queens have sex with each other. And Kiki is when you're just buds and, like, chilling. Sl- and Slay is like, she's gone. You get slayed. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. You're out. So Slay, Kai Kai, Kiki. Kimchi, okay. Chi-Chi, and Naomi. Ooh, these are all their... This is a tough choice because I want to <laughs> have sex with all of them. Oh! <laughs> the agony of I'm choice. I'm probably going to... Um, Kai Kai with Naomi Smalls, because he is just a really gorgeous man. Those legs. Mm-hmm. And Endless. So is Chi Chi, too, but I'm going to choose Naomi, though, because, you know, legs. And um, I'm probably going to, wow, I have to play either Kim Chi or Chi Chi. Oh, this is a tough one. <laughs> Do you know what? Automatic, you love how I automatically know I was going to have sex with Naomi. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, Naomi, no, done. Like, done. The rest of this is so tough. <laughs> Maybe I, I talked to Kim Chi a lot. And I, but I also really connect with um, Chi-Chi on a different level. So maybe I will Kiki with Chi-Chi. Oh. And I might have to play Kim Chi and uh, steal some of her dresses. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> and she'll come back as like a friendly ghost. It'll be all cool. Yeah. A cute little ghost with a list. A ghost. I can totally hear her now haunting you being like, I finally got guacamole <laughs> on my burrito bowl, Bob. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, this next one's harder, if you can believe it. Slay Kai Kai Kiki, Rachel Dolezal, okay. Paula Dean. okay, Stacey Dash. Stacey Dash, okay. 
Hey, she's getting completely slain. Like, I'm slaying her the house down boots. <laughs> Bye. Um, and I'm probably going to um, kiki with Paula Dean. You know, I, I honestly don't think Paula Dean is racist. I think she just said the wrong thing at the wrong time. She does, she should have never admitted she said that. Like, girl, that was like 20 <laughs> years ago. Why did you even Why did you even say that you said that? That's what I asked myself crazy? the same question. <laughs> Too honest. Like, like, like you know, it's mostly white folks. Black folks didn't really care that much, to be honest with you. I'm like, <laughs> black folks assumed, like, we assumed you were saying it the whole time. Exactly. <laughs> there you go with that generous take again. <laughs> and, and everyone's like, but she's so old. She's not that old. You know Cher's older than Paula Deen, right? What? Yeah, Barbara Walters is old enough to be Paula Deen's mother. Oh, literally. Wow. The more you know. But enough about that. Um, <laughs> So that leaves one. Paula Dean because she does seem really funny and she cooks well. And I'm going to Kai Kai with um, Rachel Dolezal because she has she has good wigs. <laughs> she, she does, doesn't so, she? <laughs> you could steal some of those too. Yeah, I think that was the Jezebel headline exactly. when all that happened. It's that Rachel Dolezal nailed the hair. I'll give her that. <laughs> yeah, right. She did look black too. I, I gag. I was I, like, I, I would have believed it. You know, black folks coming all shades. Yes. All right. Favorite emoji. Uh, well, you know, I have a friend who is a with sending me the poop emoji whenever he's on the toilet. Oh, oh gosh. He always sends it to me. I'm like, with, with a with a crown on it. And I'm like, oh my God, oh. you're ridiculous. <laughs> it's not my favorite, but that's his favorite. I I also love whenever people um uh, use the purse emoji. The purse emoji Ooh, has become my new favorite. Oh, purse, man. purse, yes. purse, purse. Customized. Exactly. Okay, fave Spice Girl other than Greta Garbo, who you famously said on the show, you... <laughs> Oh. You told Naomi Smalls, Greta Garbo is one of the Spice Girls. And she was like, really? Which one? <laughs> so you can't pick her, but. <laughs> you don't know Greta Garbo? She uh, she was in Spice Girls. Yes. Oh. I'm kidding. She was not a Spice Girl. Tell me. She was in Spice Girls. Oh, that was so, that was my favorite moment. She believes it. She is so young. She is so young. Yes, she um, is. He thought Greta Garbo was a Spice <laughs> You know, I wasn't really big into Spice Girls growing up. I was actually more into, um, I wasn't really big into wrestling at the time. What? But um, I always liked Scary Spice and Sporty Spice. That is the correct answer. And I'm going to forget you said you didn't like Spice Girls because my heart just like died a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he just he looked is. around at both of us I and just went, oh. I, I never said I don't like Spice Girls. I just wasn't big into the Spice Girls when I was younger. <laughs> did you or did you not come for the Spice Girls just now? <laughs> A question from Trixie. Yeah, Mattel. I really wanted Trixie at the um, at the they showed a, a they showed a behind the scenes clip where Trixie confronted as a Betty. Yeah, and I just wanted Trixie to go on the record and say, and now back to this bitch that had a lot to say about me on us. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so many opportunities there. Trixie has missed so many opportunities. <laughs> yeah, ouch. <laughs> they brought her back. They're like, all right, here's one more opportunity, and she <laughs> did up. Again. And RuPaul said, don't f*** it up, and she did twice. And she, and she doesn't listen, obviously. Yeah. Fave Beyonce song. Ooh. Um, I really like, um, what's the one? I remember being young and so bright. I knew what I needed. Grown woman? Oh, I'm a grown woman. woman. Like, get me body with the dance with the dance moves in it is the best club song of all time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's amazing. Yeah. Which one of your tattoos means the most to you? I know you have a Whoopi one Ooh. on your arm, right? Oh. Yeah, I have Whoopi Goldberg on my right forearm. No. Um, probably the one on my chest, which is um, I get up out of bed, I put on my clothes because I got bills to pay. 
Um, you know, my mom used to. Um, is that what that song. says? I love yes, it. I get up out of bed. I put on my clothes because I got bills to pay. Uh, that is my motto to get up and keep going and, you know, put first things first and keep moving in life. When I was younger, I used to sit on the tub while my mom curled her hair and she would like sing into the curling iron this song. And it was like her motto. My mom is a horrible singer. She was singing <laughs> at the top of her lungs into a hot curling iron and um, really like, you know, instilling in me the idea that like, you know, if you don't work, you don't eat. You have to work hard if you want things. And people who have great things have worked for them. You got to pay those telephone bills, automobiles, mm-hmm. bills, bills, bills. Exactly. <laughs> automobiles. Is, is, is yes. So you brought up Barbara Walters earlier. She famously asked Catherine Hepburn one time, what kind of tree would you be? So what kind of tree would you be, I guess? <laughs> well, I feel like I'd probably be a pine tree um, because they, they're like, they're like green all year long. They they don't lose their branch. They don't lose their stuff. They're like they're just they're just everlasting trees. You smell great you remember too. When Barbara Walters interviewed uh, who's that guy Sean Connery about how he hit women. Oh, and then he was, you remember that? Yes. yes. Okay. You did an interview in which you said not the worst thing to slap a woman now and then. As I remember, you said you don't do it with a clenched fist. It's better to do it with an open hand. Mm. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't I, love that. I haven't changed my opinion. You haven't? No, not at all. You think it's good to slap a woman? No, I don't think it's good. I you don't think, think it's bad. It must, I don't think it's that bad. I think that it depends entirely on the circumstances and if it merits it. Yeah. Well, what would merit it? Well, if you have tried everything else, then I think it's absolutely right. To give her a good slap? Yeah, absolutely. Wait till people see this interview. Are you going to get mail? A lot of Ooh. love was lost for Sean Connery oh. that day. I'll tell you that for free. I will never. And I love that Barbara Walters was like, oh, about how you hit women. And he was like, yeah, I do. And he like looked at her like, you want to fight, bitch? And she was <laughs> like, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Barbara is a G. People don't know. Barbara is a Barbara G. Barbara is gangster. Yes, Barbara she is. Like the godfather. And she can get anyone to cry. If Barbara asks you a question and she stares at you long enough, you will cry. It's going to happen. <laughs> exactly. She's great. I love Barbara Walters. She was born on my birthday. Hi. Oh. September 25th. I, I love, I I love it. It's your birthday, but she was born before you. Right. <laughs> Do you even know how old Barbara Walters is? Barbara Walters is a very old woman. She transcends age. Yeah. How old do you guys think she is? Guess right now. Guess her age. I okay. have it in my hand. I think she's 73. I think she's okay. 76. Uh, uh-huh. She stopped at 60 for me. She'll always be in the 60s. Barbara Walsh is 86 years old. What? Shut up. What? 86 years old. Yes. And not only that, do you know how old Joy Behar is? 71? I thought Joy Behar was like in her 60s. Yeah, yeah. Joy Behar is 73 years old. What? No. Their makeup is really good. Oh yeah. <laughs> Maybe a drag queen's doing it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> if you could have been on any other season of Drag Race, which one would it have been and why? Well, my favorite season was season four. It's the best season of it's Drag Race so ever. Good. They need to turn it into a musical. Sharon Needles was the <laughs> first superstar to come out of Drag Race, and she turned that show on its head. I still say to this day, Sharon Needles is the most. Um, she has she changed the game as far as Drag Race goes more than anyone has. Is she crazy? She's certifiably crazy. <laughs> uh, but she also changed Drag Race, turned that show on its head. She was doing performances. You know, she used to do stuff like she'd go to a to a club 
and they bring out a casket and put it on stage. Ooh. And then all the girls would do the entire show. And then an hour into the show, she would come out of the casket. Oh, my God. God. In the casket the whole time. <laughs> and she'd bust her hand out, and it'd be a Bible in her hand. And then she'd get up and, like, rip out the page of the Bible. And then she would collect money from the audience, put it in a blender, pour it in Bailey's and vodka, and she'd drink it on Oh, my. Drink, wow. Like, over 100. Yeah, she would drink, like, $400 on stage. Like, that's, like, she was the first superstar to come out of drag. She's really smart, really brilliant, and she is a certified Looney Tune. Oh, that's next level with the blending of the $400. Her insides yeah. must look terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Blended but, cash. But think about how fierce that, that what, a, what a fierce concept that is, you know? Yeah. I, if I was in the audience, I'd be like, what? Huh? I'm, just, I, I'm speechless. She did that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we end every episode with a song, and obviously we're going to end with Purse first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can I say one more thing for you in the episode? Yes. yes. I want to say, you know, you know, the next thing for me is I'm um, I'm going to be doing my stand-up comedy special, and I um, we are filming it, and um, it's called A Queen for the People, and it's a uh, part documentary, part stand-up comedy special, and it's about my three-point mission statement, which is to um, give back to the community, entertain the children, and make people laugh. And um, if you want to uh, help make that happen, you can go to my Instagram and click on the link in the bio. Oh, nice. perfect. And also you're doing a web series that I watched every episode of the other night called Bobbin Around, right? Yeah, that's just me. So I, it's, it's literally, I just film stuff on my phone and then I edit it when I'm on the plane. And then when we land, I upload it. It's not that <laughs> oh serious. <my. laughs> it's not that serious. <laughs> yeah, I just love it so much. My assistant has become quite the superstar himself because of those videos. Yep. And he's in your music video for Purse First, isn't he? Oh, isn't he a great? He's really good. He's a great actor. He's I a mean, ham. I make him leave the room before I give compliments. <laughs> he's a he ham. He's like going to be on Drag Race season nine or something. Yeah, use up. <laughs> he's actually a drag queen. Look up Lola St. Lords. He used to do drag back when I met him. He used to do drag, and he's actually prettier than me. So that's why I um I uh, I forced him to. Um, he's not even allowed to wear nail polish. <laughs> say, Shh, don't, don't rep him. <laughs> hey, Lola. Exactly. <laughs> So I love that your song, Purse First, has lyrics like, second verse, only going to get worse, pointing fun at the fact that <laughs> pointing fun at the fact that a lot of drag queens that come out of the show put out singles and maybe they shouldn't because they're not all Adore Delano who actually sing really well. And you're just like, hey, yeah. I'm not a singer, but I'm putting out a hilarious song that you're going to listen to and like. So what was the process yeah. of making this song for you? You know, um, well, I had a couple ideas first. I was going to do a parody on Your Makeup is Terrible called Your Music is Terrible and write about everything. <laughs> <laughs> like, Your Music is Terrible. It's about all the Drag Race girls and their horrible music. <laughs> um, but, you know, I came out of the thing, and um, I just remember the person growing over time. And I was like, I got to do something with this song. Because I, I made up a song at Drag Race just being silly. We kept always singing, you know, walk to the club first, first, bam. And the fans really seemed to love it so much. I was like, I got to get a song out. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I got with my friend Mitch Farino, who is a really great uh, music producer and event producer, and um, and we made it happen. And I'm really I'm really proud of the the video and the song. My friend Assad Yakub uh, directed the video, and he's a great. He also directed this film called Cherry Pop that I was in recently. So oh, I just yeah. really love uh, the, the whole process. Was a lot of fun. All right. Well. Let's ride out on Purse First and buy it on iTunes and wherever music is sold, people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, Bob, for being on our show. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. We love you My so much. My pleasure. All right, bye. 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 bye.
back off and you fall on your back. Act to the cat, 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 boom, and shaka, cat, 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 shawam, boom, shaka, make sure you don't stop. Bring it back up and then death try. Purse first, purse first. Walk to the room, purse first. Purse first, purse first. Walk to the room, purse first. Thanks to our podcast papa, David Marcus. Thanks to Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs for our amazing theme song that you hear at the beginning of the show. Thank you to Howard Gelman behind the glass. And thanks to Jay Simpson for helping me edit. Please subscribe on iTunes. Also rate us if you like us. If you don't, um, you never heard this. Until next week, find us on social media. I am Excuse My Beauty without the first D on Twitter. I am at Teacup in the Bay. I am at Jimmy Says. Follow us. Favorite our stuff. Retweet. Bye. 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 Bye.